Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. Since it's almost Easter, I thought we would jump into the latter part part of Mark. And yes, we will come back to what we missed. But uh, if you have a bulletin and you want to take some notes, there's something written on the back side there that says this. Since Easter is in two weeks, I decided to look ahead in Mark to Friday of the Passion Week. Remember, we're in the Passion Week in Mark chapter 12 and in Mark chapter 13 and Mark chapter 14. But we are Wednesday, Thursday of what we're talking about, and now we are jumping ahead in the Passion Week to Friday. Good Friday is the day Jesus died by crucifixion. In our text this morning, Mark records only three times in these few verses the word crucifixion with really no detail. Really no detail. It just says Jesus was crucified. But Mark records paragraphs concerning the blasphemy and mockery of Jesus by several, several groups. And I've got a question that I'm going to pose here, and I'm going to give you the answer to the question. probably already know the answer, but I'm going to give you the answer to the question at the end of the service. But the question is this. Why did God the Father allow God the Son such insult? And I've written there, we will answer that question at the end of the message. So we've skipped a few things, uh, chapter 13 through chapter 15, uh, verse 15. The Lord's Supper we skipped, and we'll come back to it. His prayer in Gethsemane, his arrest, his early morning trials, Peter's denial, and Pilate's judgment. Those are the things we've skipped in our passage. And we pick up the story with the soldiers leading Jesus away to be crucified. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 15, and we will be looking at verses 16 through 32. 16 through 32, Mark chapter 15. It says this, The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the peritorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, and they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. When they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him, then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they, brought, uh, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. 
Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't even save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So that is the reading of God's word. Three times the word crucifixion appears, but as I shared, with little detail, if you did not know what crucifixion meant, you would probably not really understand its brutality. They don't talk about the nails. They don't talk about the beatings. They don't talk about the spear in the side. They don't talk about all of the blood flow and the death by asphyxiation. They don't talk about all that. They just say he's crucified. But Mark, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, spends a whole lot of time, four paragraphs, on blasphemy and mockery of Jesus. And I think the reason is, is that every crucifixion was the same. It was brutal for everybody. But this blasphemy and mockery is what I think sets Jesus apart. And so it all starts with the soldiers. The soldiers mock Jesus, if you're taking notes. And it mentioned here in our text, the soldiers led Jesus away in the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. This isn't just a few soldiers. A whole company of soldiers was 100. There were 100 soldiers that came out. And it says they put a purple robe on him, signifying his supposed royalty. And then later we're told that they ripped it off, and after it had been on those wounds, and when they ripped it off, it must have been incredibly painful. It says they twisted together a crown of thorns, and I looked this up, and they said the thorns of that time could have been at least an inch to two inches long. Not just your rosebud, but some pretty heavy-duty thorns. They put together this crown of thorns and set it on him. And then again it says in verse 19, again and again they struck him on the head with a staff. So they're forcing down that crown of thorns onto his head. And they spit on him. And they mock him. And falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. So there was an incredible amount of mockery and pain that Jesus paid at the price of the soldiers. And the only bright spot, if you will, if there is such a bright spot, is this face in the crowd that is named Simon, and he is the father of Alexander and Rufus. We don't know a whole lot about him, but he is walking into town, and Jesus is walking out of town, and he turns around and carries the cross for Jesus out of town. And really, that's what salvation is all about. Salvation is you and I going down our own road, and Jesus gets our attention, and we turn around, and we follow him. Just a picture of salvation there. 
Not a lot, as I shared, is known of Simon, but Mark mentions him. Mark's the only one that does, so possibly Mark's audience knows who he is because he says that he is the father of Alexander and Rufus. There is a Rufus that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 16, and it could be the same one, Romans chapter 16, that uh, person named Rufus. We do know that Simon and his family become Christ followers after this invitation for him to carry the cross. And then Pilate mocks him. The next thing is Pilate mocks him. There was a placard and written on it by the Romans was written as a sarcastic joke by Pilate. The Jews didn't want this written. They did not want this uh, placard to be written there. On top of the cross, it was written in verse 26, the king of the Jews. If, you, if when we go back to the trials, their main charge was that Jesus committed blasphemy. So they wanted above the cross to say blasphemy. And Leviticus 24.16 tells us that the penalty for blasphemy is death. And we are also told that in some of the other texts that it says Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And again, this is a mockery because as we've read in scripture, nothing good comes from Nazareth. And so the Jews are upset that Pilate puts that on there. But Pilate is being sarcastic and he wants to make a joke of the whole thing to make light of the charges brought by the Jews. And it says, while Jesus is on the cross, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. The uh, wine mixed with myrrh was a sedative, if you will, kind of a way to mitigate the pain. I would have said, bring it on, <laughs> but Jesus says, no thanks. And someone wrote this past week, and I read it, he refuses taking the wine and myrrh so that he could receive the full brutality of dying for the sins of men. thought that was interesting. It says the soldiers divided his belongings. And we've talked about this, a prophetic psalm, Psalm 22. Uh, David writes it. It's about him, but it's also about Jesus. And we'll look at that psalm in a minute. But... Uh, in that psalm, it says that they divide his clothing, and the soldiers do that in making true that psalm. And then it says uh, in uh, verse 25, it was the third hour, and we know that to be 9 a.m. And we'll get to it later, but Jesus dies at the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., so Jesus hangs on a cross for six hours before he died. And if you think back to all of the rush, you know, the rush was to get Jesus tried at night so that not a lot of audience would be there. The rush was to get him through all of those proceedings and then get him up to that hill as quick as possible. 
And you, you almost wonder, what is the rush? What was the rush? Why didn't they go through the proper channels? Well, the rush, when you really think about it, as I give you this information, is not a rush of the Jews and the Romans. It's a rush of Jesus. It's a rush of God, I should say. It's a rush of God, I should say. And the reason for that, the reason that there was a rush, and you may not be aware of this, but at 3 p.m. on Friday, at 3 p.m. on Friday before the Passover, the Jews sacrificed the Passover lambs. Remember the Passover? The Jews are in Israel. I mean, sorry, the Jews are in Egypt and Jesus, God says, put the blood of the lamb over your doorpost and the angel will pass over. And so they sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on their doorposts and the angel of death passes over. And so the Jews then, ever since their release, their departure from Egypt, have celebrated the Passover. And this is no different. They're celebrating the Passover, this yearly festival. And at 3 p.m., tradition says, the priests sacrifice the Passover lambs. And at 3 p.m., Jesus dies as the Passover lamb. It's God's beautiful, wonderful timing. The robbers mock Jesus. That's our third point. Many believe that these robbers were affiliated with Barabbas. Remember, Pilate says, I'll release a prisoner. And they say, yeah, release Barabbas. We'd rather crucify Jesus. Well, all three of these men, including Barabbas, these two thieves and Barabbas, were the ones that were supposed to be crucified, probably for murder. But they release Barabbas and Jesus takes his place. But on either side of him are two criminals. And the place of Jesus, the position of the cross on that hill, is again a mockery, stating that Jesus was more, no more than a common criminal, sacrificed between two other criminals. And then, even the criminals persecute him. Even the criminals who are dying, receiving the same pain that Jesus receives, throw in their two cents. And it says that at the last verse of our text, those crucified with him also heaped insults. If you want to look at John 23, 29 to 43, it records the criminal's mockery. But Mark here just says, in that passage in John, it talks about what the criminal said. But in our passage here, it says, those crucified with him also heaped insults. The robbers on either side jump in on the bandwagon and mock Jesus. And then the strangers, the next point, the strangers mock Jesus. Verse 29, it says, those who passed by hurled insults at him. Remember, it's the Passover weekend. People are coming to Jerusalem. The cross is on a thoroughfare. They do that on purpose so that you can see when you're coming into the town the people that are dying on a cross so that you know that Rome is in charge and you better be careful. And so Jesus, his crucifixion is on a thoroughfare and people are coming into Jerusalem from all over, hundreds of thousands of people, and they are walking by shaking their heads. 
Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourselves. There had to be people there that were walking that should have remembered Jesus. They could have remembered his kindness. They could have remembered his healing. You know, that guy on that cross, he healed my brother. Or he healed my sister. Or he healed my mom. Or he brought back from dead somebody in our family. They could have remembered those things or his amazing words. Or maybe they could have said, that's a guy that fed 5,000 of us. And then he went on and fed 4,000 of us. There had to be people out there that could have said positive things, but these that were passing by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourselves. And they shake their heads in contempt. As I shared, Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm. If you want to turn there, it talks about the crucifixion, and this is what it says concerning this. Psalm 22 and verse 6 through 8. This is what it says. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Again, what was happening there was a prophetic Occurrence, something that was prophesied back in the book of Psalms, is coming to light here on the crucifixion. And lastly, the ones who from the very beginning, the ones who from the very, very beginning wanted Jesus dead, well, they mock and humiliate him as well while he's hanging on the cross. And this is what it says in verse 31. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves, They were saying back and forth, he saved others, but he can't even save himself. Let this Christ, which is a word for Messiah, let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And so the Sanhedrin mock Jesus. Those religious leaders say, come down from the cross. If you're so great, come down from the cross. Well, we know that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon he did come down from the cross. He was taken down and he was buried. But thankfully, <laughs> that's not the end of the story, is it? And in a couple of weeks we will celebrate Easter. That old pastor of long ago said, in only a way a black ma- a pastor could say it, it's Friday but Sunday's coming. You've heard that. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I, I, heard the, I heard the pastor say that. And he probably said it 50 times. The black pastor, 50 times. But with, with enthusiasm, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And he, he changed the tone, and it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And we'll look at the rest of this story next week and then the resurrection the following week on Easter. And then we'll jump back to the book of Mark chapter 13. But now I'm going to answer the question I posed at the very beginning. Why did God watch His beloved Son 
in whom he is well pleased, go through such mockery, disdain, and pain without raising a finger. Without raising a finger. And Mike is going to help me because the answer to that question is in an envelope. Don't open the envelope until everybody receives one. And I think Charlie next door is giving out the envelope. You can take the envelope and we will open it together and then we will read it together because inside the envelope is the answer to the question, why did God watch his beloved son in whom he is well pleased go through such mockery, disdain, and pain without raising a finger? You know, I wanted Jesus, when the man spit in him, to, I wanted God the Father to have a clenched fist and invisibly punch the guy right in the face. The guy that, the guy that spit, you know, and it's like, where did that come from? You know, but Jesus has all this pain and agony and God the Father is quiet. And so the answer is inside... And you're saying, I know the answer. It's John 3.16. And I could have written that. I could have written that as the answer. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I could have written that verse, but I didn't. Could have. I didn't. We could have a Yes, we could have. Does everybody have an envelope? Working on it. All right. Don't open it. No cheating. The question, why did God watch His beloved Son in whom He is well pleased go through such mockery, disdain, and pain without raising a finger. Open the envelope and we will read this together. We will talk more about this on Good Friday. But this is the reason. And let's read it together. God was pleased to allow His Son to die for sinners so God the Father can give God the Son an eternal inheritance of a redeemed people out of every generation in history who will spend eternity loving and worshiping their Savior. That is the reason that God allowed the Son to die on a cross. God was pleased to allow His Son to die for sinners so that God the Father can give God the Son an eternal 
inheritance of a redeemed people out of every generation in history who will spend eternity loving and worshiping their Savior. Take that home, put it on your refrigerator, and be reminded what Easter and Good Friday are all about. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we do thank you for your word. It's real practical, and practically speaking, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of yucky stuff going on on that Good Friday, starting Thursday evening to Friday morning, the cross at 9 a.m., the mockery, the blasphemy, the humiliation, the people watching, the pain, the agony, a lot going on. And the reason it was done, simply put, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what our church is all about, Lord. It's about proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That whoever invites Jesus into their life will live forever in that place that you are preparing for us. But there's an opposite side to that too. The Bible says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And we know from Scripture that that does not have life includes eternal punishment in hell. Wow. And so, Lord, the reason that we exist as a church is to make sure that people know how to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And even in the inside of the bulletin, it gives a, a way to do that. And that's what we're all about. And so, Lord, I pray that there would be nobody that would leave here today without being sure that if they were to die tonight, they would go to heaven. And I'll tell you, they're not going to go by their good works. Because the Bible says they are like filthy rags. The only way that we get to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ who died for us on a cross. And that relationship is there for the taking, the asking. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, make today the day of salvation and get that straight. And then decide to live for Him the rest of your life where there is joy and meaning and purpose and direction and love. Lord, we thank You for the Holy Week, the Passion Week. We thank You for Good Friday. We thank You for Quiet Saturday. And we thank You for Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.